Blog Talk Radio. Today, oh, it sounds like my music's not working, everybody. What a wonderful way to start off the show with the music not playing. Uh, so, hey, how's everybody doing today? I'm trying to hit play on the music, and it doesn't seem to want to be working here. So, But that's okay. Um, I can be just as suspenseful as the next guy. Um, but we want to thank you all for joining us here on Suspense Radio. It is um, great to be back. Um, this is going to be our last show because, you know, I take the month of July kind of off. It's kind of a summertime and it's kind of a, a way for us to kind of, uh, you know, get ourselves back together. And a lot of people are always, you know, traveling around, so it's easier to just kind of find people. Uh, and there it goes. The music just starts playing. But, again, I want to thank you all for joining us, however, wherever, and whenever you uh, hear the show. It's always great to have you with us here on this Radio. And now can't get the stop delayed. There. Now I think I got it stopped. So, hey, so I want to welcome you again. Uh, we have two great authors, Kelly Clare and E.C. Fry will be joining us today. Kelly will be talking about her debut book, Hidden. Always great to have debut authors on the show uh, to be able to find out their journey. A lot of authors, of course, or aspiring authors are listening to the show, and they always like to hear all of those things. E.C. Fry will be talking about Entangled Moon. So let's not waste any time before my stuff really goes nuts here, and let's get our first guest on. Again, her name is author Kelly Clare. So, Kelly, we want to thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Doing well hey. today. And nothing like live radio for technical problems. I love it. I hit the button, the thing doesn't start playing right away, and I'm just like, what the heck is going on? So. <laughs> hey, I love that. I feel better already. <laughs> and that's the way it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, again, so we, we kind of mentioned that you have your debut book here out. It is called Hidden. Um, it just came out so people can buy it wherever they um, buy books and how they get them. I always say go to Amazon. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you got going on um, here in your debut book? Well, Hidden is kind of a cross-genre book. Um, I love to read widely. I love everything. So I wanted to write everything, and I think I kind of did that um, for better or for worse. But um I took the premise of the book is without creating any spoilers um, is this. I took a piece of 15th century English history, gave it a twist or two, and then I pulled it into what I thought it might look like today. Um, and that became the foundation of a secret society in play and an intense love story. Um, so, that English history that I uh, mentioned is um, the Cousins' War, and it might be better known as the Wars of the Roses to um, a lot of others. I do a lot of historical research and read a lot of historical biographies, so it's the Cousins' War to me, but maybe the Wars of the Roses to others. Um, but that's, that's the basic 
premise of the book, and um, it is a present-day book. It's not a historical um, novel or anything like that, um, but I did pull the premise from history. So. Hmm, interesting. Now, so how long was the concept kind of, you know, brewing inside of you uh, to be able to kind of want to, you know, maybe you thought of writing for years and years, but now you were finally able to focus yourself on a plot and some characters, and now you got hidden out. How long was this kind of brewing for you, and how long did it actually take you to to finish the whole thing? Because typically the first book is always the longest for an author to write. Yeah, I hear that, but it didn't take me long, quite honestly, to write Hidden. Um, I'm going to tell you the story of how this story came to be, and it's going to sound yeah. a little trite at first, but um, it's true. Um, I had this this dream um, not too long ago, maybe three years ago. I woke up with this dream, and there were these two characters in this dream. It was just a, a short, brief image of these two people in a, like a dark attic, um, and it was creepy, and I knew something bad had happened, and I knew this guy was British. Um, and that's, that was the whole dream. But it just stuck with me. And then these two characters just kept rolling around in my head, and they, they kept, um, I know crazy as it sounds, kept talking to me. They wouldn't go away. Um, so that scene actually became, um, or that, that image of that dream actually became the first scene that I wrote for this book which weirdly is all the way into the center of the novel, chapter 15. Um, so I had that scene written, and I had to uh, take some time. Maybe, you know, um, I probably did a lot of research and, and uh, a lot of wiggling around and stuff to figure out who these characters were, determine who they were, what their arcs were going to be, you know, maybe – about a six-month process there to just kind of figure out who they were. Once I knew who these people were, then it took me about four months to put the whole book together. Um, I wrote from that 15th chapter forward, and um, then once I was at the end of the novel, I went from chapter 15 and wrote backwards to the beginning, which sounds kind of odd, but um, it, I, I have... Uh, become, I guess, what they call the panther, and I, I did try to outline this novel several times, and I ended up um, having fits of frustration and just throwing away the, the outline. So that, that was the process, and as I said, you know, research and, and rolling around the ideas about who these people were um, that had come to me um, was about a six-month um, stretch, and then another four months, and I had I had the first draft finished. So nice. So I guess one of the questions is, of course, is why Ellie? Like, why did you find her to be the character that you wanted to lead your book? Um, you know, she just um, young woman just kind of spoke to me, and I, I have an idea that, you know, it, it probably resonated through a lot of the research, and, and probably also she came um, to be who she was because of all of the reading that I do through his, uh, a couple of historians that I really um, like right now, um, 
uh, some historical biographies. Very intrigued with that era, that 15th century era of English history, and reading through a lot of those historical biographies, you know, usually you you can find a bunch of, um, of those books on all of the kings, you know, the Plantagenet and Tudor kings and stuff. But what I found was there were so many women behind those stories that um, were never really acknowledged or recognized um, as they should have been. And I think she kind of came to me from that place. Um, and I, I knew that Ellie was somebody who had been sheltered. I just, it just, she just came to me that way. She, she had been sheltered. She'd been lied to. She'd been protected. Um, and I wanted to take a character like her who, you know, can kind of become that typical, um, um, you know, flower in some of these novels, thriller novels, whereas I wanted to take her, let her begin that way, but I wanted to create a character arc where she grew stronger and stronger and stronger and became that protagonist that, you know, that we all want to root for, where we find her strength, we find her independence, and she's clearly um, moving through the story, showing us that development. And so, um, you know, she just, it really just, all of that just spoke to me, and, and that's where she kind of came from. And she just kept kept growing and growing and, and talking to me, and that's where we came from. Yeah, that's what a lot of authors say right off the bat. You know, they always say that their characters at a certain time start talking to themselves and then they start kind of becoming um, kind of their own where the author's just kind of, you know, pinning them down, but it's really the character that's kind of making all the determination of uh, really where they're going and what they're doing. And and so then when, of course, you, you know, you, you're deciding to construct a book and, and you're always putting secondary characters um, and secondary characters are always a big part of, you know, the the story. Like like your like niece, uh, like the niece Lizzie. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, but is there another character that is a secondary one that you were kind of surprised with how big they ended up becoming in the story um, when you first started trying to construct it, and then all of a sudden you didn't really think about it too much, and then by the time you're done, you're like. Wow, I had no idea they were going to be this big. Yeah, actually, Ellie's best friend Jess um, started out exactly that way. You know, she's, you know, when before things take off at the beginning of the novel, Jess is there, obviously, and Ellie and Jess are close, and and um, you know, but things spin out of control and things happen, and um, you know, she kind of falls by the wayside for a while. Um, as Ellie's whisked out of the country and, and other things are, are happening. I'm trying so hard here not to spoil things. <laughs> um, That's okay. But so Jess, and then Jess ends up coming back to me, you know, late in the novel as um, a real stand-up heroine, and she really kind of comes in at the end and helps save the day. So um, I, I didn't feel her until late. But when I did, I was like, wow, I love this character, and I need to do some more with her. 
And so she kind of has a, a little open-ended role at the end where, you know, you might be seeing a little more of her. This is actually um, the first book um, of a trilogy. So uh-huh. I, didn't intend for just, I didn't intend for Jess to come forward so so much, but she did in the end, and I think that um, she's not finished with me, so I don't think I'll be done with her yet. So, see, you're just dropping nuggets now saying that this is the first of a yeah. trilogy because, because what you've done then is people are going to read the book and you're going to have some unanswered questions that you're going to have to, you know, answer throughout. So you're going to kind of leave them with some little cliffhangers and some unanswered questions at the end of this book. Um, and so that's important. But, you know, I like – I'm not a fan – I, and everybody knows I'm not a huge fan of ongoing series where it's just going and going and going and going and going, and mm-hmm. you, you just kind of you, you kind of feel like you're reading the same book over and over, just a little different plots. So I like it when an author says, "Nope, this is a five book series, or this is a seven book series, or this is a three book series," because then you know that there's some kind of a concise approach that the author's taking to kind of funnel you down to an end. Um, and kind of coming out of the bat writing a trilogy, I mean, not a lot of authors kind of do that. Normally it's either like a standalone or they start with like, you know, an FBI somebody and then they start doing a series. So why trilogy? Um, why not kind of just come out slow, do a standalone, see how it is, and then, you know, maybe, uh, you know, work a trilogy into that after that? Yeah, I know. Uh, for a debut author, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's I risky. get it. I know. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's risky, I get it, but I just felt, John, like there was so much to the story um, that it needed to arc over three books, and um, Hidden is told only from Ellie's perspective, and she kind of lays the groundwork for us, but there's so much more, and as you said, you know, I dropped a few little nuggets there. At the end of the Hidden, you know, you a reader will realize there's much more to the story that um, needs to come. So I just I just felt like this story was big enough to arc over these three books, and um, I want to get in some different character perspectives as well. So that's kind of why I ended up with the plan for the trilogy. Yeah. But you're right, it's risky and it's ambitious. I, I it get is. it and I agree. I agree. I agree. So I'm working hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, but it can be a very fulfilling undertaking, you know, when you're finished and you kind of see the whole vision come together and you see it all done. Um, and, you know, I, and I'm sure now that we start writing, you know, the, like I said, like the first book always kind of takes a little bit of longer, and then once you get your contract, and then all of a sudden the publisher is like, all right, now I need your draft by this deadline, and you're like, wait a second, how's that kind of been? Because you're already in book two, probably yeah. that's already being edited, and you're working on book three, so, you know, how is that for you to be able to, all of a sudden now someone is saying, nope, you've got a deadline, and you've got to reach it, and this is what you've got to do, because... The first book, you got all the time in the world. You don't have to bring it out until you feel it's ready. Right, right. And I'm kind of a nonconformist, so deadlines were never my good friend prior to this. But I have to <laughs> say that I actually, <laughs> I actually have found that um, the pressure of having deadlines um, is working out well for me. I, 
I find I'm doing my best writing under those um, deadline pressures. So um, it, it sounds strange, and I never thought that would work out for me, but I'm actually happy to have deadlines now. <laughs> it's really helping me uh, just push forward, and, and as I said, I feel like I'm doing uh, my best writing when I know that I've got a deadline and that pressure is there. So if they work well under pressure, maybe. Yeah. And of course, you know, we, you, you kind of mentioned off there that I was one of your, I'm one of your first people to interview you. Um, and so that's a new process that you have to kind of get used to, which is you can't sit behind the typewriter anymore and just, you know, be words on a page. You got to start being a picture that people know and people see and people hear and people know about. So how's that kind of been going for you? Um, you know, were you a little, you know, a little nerve wrack at the beginning? I mean, uh, how has it been so far? Yeah, I'm a super private person. And so this has <laughs> been a really difficult process for me. I have a fantastic publicity team who has helped me work through this. Um, uh -huh. And this is only indeed my third interview um, so coming from a small town um, in northwest Ohio. Coming from a small and, state. And we can make fun of it because we're from the same state. So we can yeah, do it. So, we're allowed. Yeah. Only people from yeah. Kentucky and West Virginia can't make fun of people from Ohio. That's it. Right, right. <laughs> you got it. So, you know, it's a small state, a small town, and, you know, I just have this small little life that – and I'm a super – introverted person so coming out into the world with this book first of all was difficult for me to make that final decision and say I'm going to try I'm going to see what I can do and, and put this book out there you know that was hard enough for me too when people actually started reading it I was a nervous wreck I thought oh I, I just can't believe somebody's actually you know looking at my work and reading um, you know something that I've written you know and then onto the publicity and, and stuff, that was even uh, more difficult. But as I said, I have a fantastic publicity team who is helping me step-by-step step work through that. And when I am interviewed by someone like you, John, who we're just basically having a really nice conversation, and I really appreciate that, that helps yeah. a lot. <laughs> right. I mean, I, and I'm always curious, like, what was, like, the first interviews or so like? Was it more... You know, was it more literary? Was it more, here's question one, question two, question three? Because, you know, I mean, I, I, I've said it many times before. I don't like to script interviews because I find that they're scripted. And I find that pretty boring when it's like, well, you know, here's question one, here's question two, here's question three. And just so as everybody knows, too, nobody, I don't care who you are, I don't, ha I don't have interview questions that I give to people ahead of time. And I get asked all the time. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, don't have any. Don't do it that way. I just kind of start. I just kind of roll with it, and I do all my research, and I kind of, you know, because I find it more interesting when you guys start answering questions that they questions always pop up. You know, I had no idea that yeah. this was a trilogy, and then that was a great way to do. So, yeah, and and I just love it when we just talk. That's what I love. Yeah, I, I love yeah, I, I really I really appreciate that too. The first interview that I did was uh, pretty well scripted, and so I had a set of questions in advance that yep. I. You know, that I knew. So I sat at my computer and I researched everything that was on that list, all the questions, like how will I answer this, how will I do this and that. Uh -huh. And then when we got to the interview, 
we didn't even use the script. And so I was just a little caught off guard, but I found myself able to relax. Um, as I said, when I write, I'm a pantser, and I'm kind of, you know, I think always that way. Um, my family and friends say that I'm quite random, you know, with conversations and stuff. Something just pops out of the blue, you know, it just comes to my head, and I just it just comes out. So yeah, I'm, that's the Ohio I'm, disease. I do the same yeah. thing. Yeah, is that what that is? The housing? It is. <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate uh, a non-scripted interview much more than I do a scripted. Uh-huh. So when. I guess when you know when you start looking at your future and you start looking at the writing, and then after you wrote the first book, and, and then you're going to bring out the second one probably around the same time next year. I take it. Are you going to be? Are you a, a yearly one? Or are they doing this every six to eight months? Uh, how, how's your publisher um, going to do this series? Yeah, annually. So the next book um, is tentatively planned for release in August of 2019. So a couple oh, wow. months later. So, okay. Yeah. So about 14 yeah. months after this. Okay. Yeah, about 14 months. Okay. So then when you uh, – you're able to kind of change up book two a little bit, I take it. So when you kind of had the trilogy kind of down and whatnot, but then all of a sudden Hidden comes out, how much changes have you had to kind of do moving forward um, that you saw yourself not really knowing that you were going to have to do that? Yeah, there are a lot of revisions that resulted from um, the finished um, hidden um, based on a couple of things, not only editorial feedback, but early readers uh, who had a lot of comments and, and suggestions after um, reading hidden also triggered a few revisions for me for the second book. Um, and in that to me was a good thing. It's a good positive thing. It wasn't a negative thing or anything. So I did do some some revisions based on um, you know, the result of of hidden and after that was finally um out there was in, in readers' hands and stuff, um, early readers. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that um the second novel will also follow the same course where, you know, it um probably triggers some revisions in the third. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the part too that a lot of people have problems when you're kind of an author is is that editing process. You kind of get a little um you're like, "Wow, um I I didn't realize it was going to be like this." So, you know, that that's always a little bit new. I mean, what what's mm-hmm. one of the one things that, you know, now that now that you're a published author, what's one of the one myths that was kind of uh displaced for you when you got into this and you got signed and you were like, oh, that's really how it goes? Well, I think one of the biggest surprises for me was um, this hurry up and wait game that the industry (laughs) plays. Yeah, and like, you know, you have your deadlines, you beat deadlines, you, you, you do everything you're supposed to do as a new author, you know, and then you don't hear from someone for six months. You know, it's kind of crazy, but, you know, and then your pub, you know, your pub date is, you know, 12, 16, 18 months out, you know, um, beyond that. And so I think the hurry up and wait game was the biggest surprise to me. And I don't have, I'm not, um, I wasn't gifted in the patient's department to begin with. So that's been a surprise, and it's been um, a little frustrating for me 
Um, but I'm getting used to it. I'm, I'm definitely getting used to it. And um, I think um, another thing that is surprising to me is how well-received Hidden is. I didn't expect um, quite as much buzz as it's getting, not that it's, you know, uh, Stephen King's novel or anything like that. But um, I'm, I'm just pleasantly surprised at um, how re- well-received it's been into both the early readers' hands um, and among other authors in, in the um, writing community. So that was a very nice, pleasant surprise too. You know, coming in coming in as a new author, you know, with this crazy debut, because you know it's a little outside of the lines, to be honest with you, John. It's a cross right. genre, and um, you know, I just didn't I didn't know, and I thought, well, um, I'm gonna write the story that I want to write. It's all about for me the storytelling, and I'm gonna put it out there, and we'll see what happens. So um, I was pleasantly surprised at, at the reception that this book has received thus far. Are you going to any conferences to uh, support it? I am. I'm going to be at um, RWA in July, which is the Romance Writers, um, and I'll be at VoucherCon in September. It's a mystery convention there. I mm-hmm. think it's in St. Petersburg. Got a couple other things that are going on. We've got some um, signings uh, set up. Um, one that I can announce right now is that Politics and Prose in D.C. Um, at the end of July with a couple of other um, female thriller authors. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have a, cool. a panel there at Politics and Prose and then do some signing afterward. But um, some other things are in the pipeline, too, that my publicist has asked me not to announce just yet. So, But uh-huh. I think I'm going to be you know, move it around a bit through uh, July, August, and September quite a bit. So it'll be fun. And where's RWA this year? It's in Denver. Denver, Oh, okay, in Denver. Okay. Yeah. That's a conference that we've been to a couple times, but it's not something that we go to a lot. But um, we were in – when it was in L.A., we were were there. Um, And BoucherCon we've gone to a couple times too. So you'll like Mm -hmm. like them both. I mean, they're both really good fans. Yeah. Really good fan conventions, and and that's something that you know that I think that you'll really enjoy. So good luck with that, and have a lot of fun. I I hope I will. I think so. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, hey Kelly, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your book Hidden. And I take it the best place for people to find out about you is to just go to your website, which is Kelly with an I. So K E L L I. C L A R E. So Kelly Claire. And is it Claire or do you? Because there's no I in it. It's Claire, yeah. It is Claire. Yep, okay. Claire. So, so, yep. the, so KellyClaire.com is um, the best place for people to find out about and go to your website. And hey, we want to thank you again so much for coming on. It's been fabulous. So you enjoy. Did an outstanding job, and it was fun. Thank you, John. It was fun for me too. Have a great day. All right. Bye bye. So again, everybody, that is author Kelly Claire. The book is called Hidden. Make sure you go out and get it now. You can get it on Amazon, wherever you buy books. Uh, it is available now, and you can go out and get it um, and go order it. It came out June the 5th, so it's available Kindle, audio, and paperback. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with our next guest, uh, last guest of the day, E.C. Frey, and they are going to be talking about their current book called um, Entangled Moon. So very exciting. So we will be right back, and let's hope our technical problems don't, uh, don't keep up for us. So here we go.
everybody here after the break um thank you so much for joining us i know that i i, I couldn't download and i don't know if i would want to play because i think a lot of people are big pantera fans um but, but i just wanted to say today that i'm a huge metal music person a lot of people know that and it was just sad to see that uh one of the founding members uh drummer vinnie paul from pantera passed away not sure how he was 54 years old so i played a little bit of pop metal there that was trickster just to but uh, yeah, Vinnie Paul, 54, passed away from a uh, founding member of Pantera. So, you know, we don't all talk books here. Music can be suspenseful, too, just like art, everybody. Um, but, hey, I want to now jump into our next guest. This is author uh, E.C. Frey, and her book is called Entangled Moon, and we're very excited to be able to speak with her to bring her with you. So, E.C., thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm not doing bad at all. Um, lovely Good. day out right now. I'm from California. Where Where are you calling us from? 
Um, I am in South Central Texas. Oh, okay. So you got the heat coming up too. Um, oh, it's yeah. it's going to be ninety nine degrees today. Oh, okay. you, you guys just couldn't reach that hundred mark, or <laughs> not in South <laughs> I mean, Central? I mean, Texas is always Texas is always known for going big, so I'm wondering why you just couldn't just top it over and get a hundred, but. Um, yeah, I don't have anything good, to do with it. <laughs> you know the good thing. You know we're in LA and we haven't been, we haven't got nailed with the heat yet, which is good. I mean it's been staying in the in the low 80s, but you know we all know that that hundred's coming soon. So yeah, I feel yeah, for you. I know that, that's brutal, <laughs> but so let's get in here to your to your book Entangled Moon, and uh, you know kind of let us know what you got going on here. Um, well, Entangled Moon is uh, it's a um, suspense thriller that um, sort of has uh, takes place at two different points in time. So the one is 1968, when five girls um, witness a um, bullying situation, and they sort of just uh, because they're they're they have. Uh, backgrounds that make them uh, really feel bad for this girl being bullied, they sort of jump in and protect her. And it's how these five girls become bonded by that moment and then a moment a little bit later on. Um, And then when they have to really um, confront the secret that they kept from that past, Um, It sort of um, compels them into a situation where that sort of comes full circle. Um, And it really, the sort of the premise is how um, oftentimes we are defined more by the experiences we share um, than we are by our actual um, differences, our genetic differences. Um, And I come from a sort of um, mixed-race background. So in 1968, um, there was a lot of turmoil um, around, um, especially, I I think, people who are from mixed backgrounds. Um, And what I have heard is that um, it really has to do with the ambiguity of who you are. People can't automatically put you into a square peg they don't quite know what to do with you so in 1968 there was an awful lot of language swirling around this issue um and so i I really deal with that for these five characters interesting i mean uh you know it's always i always find it fascinated when when authors go back into history and you know use those kinds of themes or use those kind of languages and use those kinds of things to to bring into modern day book and how difficult was it for you to maybe you know bring that environment still through here you know 50 years later um to make it you know to where you were comfortable with you know how it turned out and you know how the readers now are are interpreting and how they're kind of uh, digesting this well, and you know that's interesting. Well, I'm a, I'm a historian. Um, uh, that's sort of my academic background. So, um, but having well, and I was young at that particular period, so I was not involved in everything going on in the '60s. But I was definitely highly tuned to what was going on. So, 
trying to view it from the perspective of a historian and also somebody who actually um, sort of vicariously lived through it was um, sort of interesting for me because it brought up um, actually a lot of pain. And I actually talked oh. about that in my um, on my website is what it was what it was like at that time and going forward to hear some of the narratives going on around me. It was very difficult. Um, so I really had to write through that pain. And it was actually in some ways this book was cathartic because you start to see um, just the pure human dimension um, in sort of our discussions that we continue to have today, which is, you know, you think 50 years later, we're revisiting a lot of the same issues. Uh Without a doubt. I mean, I was born in 1970, so I'm not familiar kind of with that era, but of course from listening to people who were, yeah, there's a lot of similarities that are now showing up from, you know, 50 years ago until today. So, you know, when you bring out a book that has those um, themes and those things that are back, you know, kind of, you know, 50 years later in, in people's faces, when you look at this book, I mean, it's kind of transcendent, but when you bring it into a more modern tone and have to bring in, you know, a lot of modern things that weren't around in the 60s, like the social medias and, of course, all the technologies and the things like that, how was that for you to be able to, like I said, to kind of be able to, like, modernize a time when it was not really in your face as much? I mean, people, you had three stations. You had no cable. You had no nothing. I mean, you had newspapers and you had the nightly news, and that's what you were hearing. Now you can hear and we didn't something have from anywhere 24-7. Yeah, and we didn't have remote controls either. Right, that was the you had to funny get up and thing. Turn the TV. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know that was interesting. Um, I, I think living through this time period um, has really been been fascinating. Certainly more fascinating than previous um, moments in time. Um, and I think that is because we were just moving a lot faster. And who knows what my kids are going to see in their lifetimes. Um, sure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating because humans have not changed that much. We still have a lot of the same motivations. Um, it's just sort of going at hyperspeed. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing to me is um, I, I sort of grew up as computers were, you know, becoming big. Um, as a matter of fact, when we used to send emails, you know, we had to, um, you know, sort of do it in code. Um, you know, that was back when I was learning COBOL and Fortran and stuff like that. And I actually oh, did um, some systems analysis and, um, yeah, so what's really funny is you, you realize how quickly these languages change. So we really, I think as um, humans, we have to be quick change artists now that we didn't really have to be that much before. Um, so I think, for, for me at least, as a probably uh, a storyteller, a social scientist, you know, with all the different hats I have on, it's just this recognition that we really – probably need to get to the roots of who we are as humans um, as we're defining our differences and everything, because I think that the changes coming at us 
are going to throw all of to continue to throw all of that into disruption. Mm-hmm. So then, so then, let's talk a little about you know Heather, your main character in that. Yes. And how how different and how was she able to kind of you know we able to kind of have her navigate through the waters because. Just from you just so when people pick up you know like the back of the book and you look at the back of the book kind of description, and that's kind of the first thing that people always see is something you know she's hiding something, and now kind yes. of moving forward and hoping that you know you got the storybook ending and you got everything good, and the past doesn't come out, but you always know that there's something you know back there hiding, and now that you have this aspect of history and things, how is Heather be able to kind of navigate how are you able to kind of uh, have her, you know, get herself together. Um, well, you know, sort of the backstory on her is um, that her mom uh, was, um, uh, you know, unstable, um, and she was not diagnosed. And of course, diagnosing people back, uh, you know, in that time period um, was. Uh, not nearly as uh, sophisticated as it is now, and we still don't even understand um, a lot of, you know, mental illness. I, I think it's that sort of uncharted territory for um, us as a species, um, and um, try as we might. Um, but for Heather, you know, as a little girl, how did she uh, navigate her mom? It was very, very difficult, and I think if you, uh, when you read the book, you realize just how um, incredible this little girl is, um, but she does it really in a lot of ways with help from her friends um, that you don't necessarily see. It's just the sense that um, she has a safety net, um, and so she really sort of learns to navigate the world by trying to completely fit in. And in some ways, it's a story about when we try really hard to fit in, um, which all of us do, um, we try to fit. It doesn't mean that our troubles are going to go away or even that the specific troubles we're trying to avoid don't keep coming back at us time and time again until we finally face it. And in a lot of ways, that is what is going on with Heather is she really comes to this moment where she must face um, the fact that she needs to hide because she really can't hide anymore. Um, And so it really becomes a story of how her friends help her to navigate um, that difficult moment where she must come out. Yeah, absolutely, and that, you know, and that's that's a very detailed answer to the fact that when you you know when people are listening, this is very much a character-driven book more than even a plot-driven yes. book. Yes, it is. Yeah, and and it was actually it's a kind of a cross-genre book because it started off as literary fiction, and I think one of the problems um, I had was I kept wanting to find more resolution which um you know i had several agents tell me well you're you're this isn't working as literary fiction while the language is um beautiful 
you're you're um, you're not really doing what you need to do in literary fiction, um, which is I guess leave uh, a little bit more ambu- ambiguity and probably even a little more introspection. I have a lot of dialogue. In fact, I had to cut a lot of dialogue out. Um, so I think that the beginnings, even though I've rewritten it multiple times, you can still see that literary uh, fiction beginnings in it. If and that then makes you, sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then you kind of, but now you wrote the book to be a standalone, correct? Or is this something that's going to be going on through a series? It's a standalone. Yeah, my it's second one is completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, what was what was the reason why you know this was a standalone? Was it the story that intrigued you first that said, "I want to get the story out," and then you started wrapping the characters around, and then it started becoming this this character driven book, or was it the characters first that kind of got you excited because you wanted to explore you know them more? I guess it's like the chicken or the egg kind of scenario, which kind of came yeah. first in your mind? <laughs> um, I think it was my characters. Um, okay. You know, I, I think that I'm always um, I'm always intrigued by how people react to things. Um, you know what you know what determines a person's reactions to something um, because you I, I think you ultimately realize that all of us can make bad choices um, and sometimes what drives us to make those choices. Um, and so I really was interested in, well, first it was really Heather, and I'm trying to think who came up next. Um, you know, I think Mariah came up next um, because I think I'm, I'm close to my Native American background. Um, there's a lot of sorrow in my family, um, and because that is a part of history that um, I work a lot on, is trying to understand narratives, um, Mariah came next. And then the others just sort of fell into line. You know, I needed someone in there who just really sort of bound everyone together with love. And so Esperanza came up. And, um, you know, then I was dealing with some of, uh, you know, the African-American background I have. And so Eve came in. And, you know, then I had to throw somebody in who was, um, you know, this glamorous, beautiful woman who had this horrible um, wound, the psychic wound. And so here she is displaying to the world that she is has it all. She's, you know, queen of the hill, and she is killing herself. Um, so, you know, she just became this very complex person. And so, yeah, I, it, it was really about the characters and how they got thrown together ultimately and how they grew apart and came back together. It kind of reminded me of a... Um, flock of birds, um, like the Rufas, you know, that all go together and they kind of uh, perform this dance in the air, um, which sort of, I guess, in some ways how I saw it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, so is this kind of the, like you said, your second book is now something totally different. So uh, is this something that now you've got to kind of out of your system and are we going to see this style of genre again? Is this where you're going to sit or... Are you changing it up and doing something totally different and going, you know, totally in a different direction? 
Um, my second one is a true suspense thriller, although it too will be, um, you know, there's not going to be that sort of cross-genre thing. I think it's, um, but it is still, the characters are still um, really important. Um, so it's just, but the characters are different. So it's okay. still a suspense thriller. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're just, I like you're, suspense. You're gonna, so, so you're kind of like just going to be sitting in this, uh, in this genre for a little while. Any, any thoughts to doing a series? Or you just kind of like the standalone. Um, I, I may end up, I may end up doing a series. I haven't decided. My my second book is um, it's been sort of fun doing it, um, and so who knows? Maybe that one will have a new, different one, and then you know maybe Entangled Moon will as well. I certainly really like my characters, um, yeah. so you know maybe they'll show up again too. I don't know. <laughs> But I have a third one already being formulated that of course. Um, is a standalone as well. I mean, and what was kind of like your biggest challenge uh, coming out with Entangled Moon that you were able to kind of now overcome as you, you know, keep writing further down the road and, you know, into, like you said, you know, book two done, now book three. Where, where, <laughs> where are you at? Like, where was that? Uh, you know, I think the hardest thing about book number one is that I was dealing with so many issues that um, have ended up being extremely contemporary again. And they, it, um, I've gotten a lot of support on it. Um, people have loved it, but there are people who... Um, are um, not totally happy with some of the social aspects. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, it's sort of it's sort of interesting because I'm dealing, you know, I'm dealing with bullying, I'm dealing with uh, race, um, you know, it, yeah, I, you know, I'm dealing with social, and the big one is rape. Um, and funny enough, I some of the um, response I've gotten. Um, is uh, some difficulty with that aspect to it. So you can see where the Me Too movement has sort of um, galvanized people. It sort of divided them, um, which was interesting. I cer- clearly did not write this at a moment when that became a big thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was just sort of um, serendipitous that they sort of occurred together. Um, but yeah, I, there are a lot of social themes in Entangled Moon that weren't meant to be so spot on at the moment. <laughs> if that makes but, sense. You know, yeah, but but then you kind of, uh, and then all of a sudden it kind of comes down, and and you look back and you're like, wow, this is this is kind of interesting. That and I, you almost have a surreal moment that you even wrote it at times, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to have to say that one of the things that really got me even more than the Me Too movement um, was uh, the royal wedding, Um, to have somebody who, who, you know, was coming out and actually talking about um, what it's like to be in this sort of ambiguous um, category of people was incredible because she hit everything 
on the nose of sort of what I'm be, I've been trying to say, um, because you can look at the numbers and realize that um, there's far more uh, mixed marriages than ever, but it's still this sort of place that we get into when it comes to media and everything else. You can see people, but they're, they're put into very strict categories um, instead of really, you know, owning every single part of them. And that was always my thing was um, requiring this disambiguation for people who are of mixed race. You know, you're either one or you're the other. And the census even used to um, do that where you'd be forced into something. And I even heard people um, say, uh, I was talking to somebody about my dad, and they said, well, you know, he never put down that he was part Native American. And I thought, well, of course not, because he had to put down one race. Um, so he had to put down that he was white. Um, and, and that was just the way it was. Now we have a census that allows us to more fully own ourselves, um, which is refreshing. But, yeah, the royal wedding was really the moment for me. I thought, wow, somebody, you know, is really speaking uh, the language I'm trying to speak in Entangled Moon. Interesting. So Meghan Markle had a little bit of influence in Entangled Moon. <laughs> or, <laughs> well, Entangled or, or Moon was go already. With, we'll go with Kate, yeah. Entangled Moon was already almost on its way out, but I think that it um, has helped maybe the discussion about what is in Entangled Moon because a lot of my characters yeah, are but multiracial. Gotta, but you got to tweet that out to her about that so she will tweet it and then her millions of fans will see the book Entangled Moon and then you will sell so many more copies. you got to embrace that Elizabeth, embrace that. <laughs> You're right. I'm not good at. I'm not good That's at how it works. You got to tweet that out to her and say, you know, the <laughs> royal wedding and your inspiration was part of this book, and it was amazing, and this and that, and oh my god, and then there you go, boom, you just shot up the charts. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah that's how, that, that, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. So, um, now, do you have any plans? Do you go to any conferences or? Anything of that nature down the line? Um, I'm actually um, headed over to um, Texas Writers um, Agent and Editor Conference in Austin next weekend. And then I'm going to Thriller Fest, and, oh, nice. um, which I am thrilled about. And um, I probably am going to go to Crime Bake in Massachusetts yeah. later, um, and I've already registered for BushaCon next year in Dallas. Okay, so you're going to be in, the, so you're going to be out there um, at those conferences and seeing some people, and and you know, like the one thing because Thriller Fest is, is always our favorite convention. Uh, we won't be there yeah, this I'm year. Yeah, I'm excited. But, yeah, I mean, bring a pad of paper, um, bring your phone that you can record because you're going to get a ton of tips a lot of education that you would have never been able to get uh, really anyplace else. So, I mean, really, bring your paper, bring your pad, and if you're there for the craft fest part, you're going to so enjoy it. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm 
basically going for the whole time. So yeah. um, I'm expecting it to be jam-packed with information. It is, and it's like two different conferences. Like I said, you got Craft Fest, where you have a lot of authors, a lot of aspiring authors that go to that because you know you're basically getting taught by best-selling authors anything and everything. Um, and then you got the Thriller Fest part, which is where you have a lot of the panels, and that's where right. the authors are kind of you know a lot more loose and they're you know joking around and this and that. And if you want to talk to anybody, just go up and talk to them because that's what they're there for, and just go to the bar starting at about 7 o'clock and just start meandering <laughs> around, and you're going to see them all come. Sooner or later, they all hit the bar. Fantastic. Good advice. Yeah. 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 So, is your, so I would say your website's probably the best place for people to go, which is ElizabethCampbellFry.com. So that's ElizabethCampbellFry.com for them to find out more information about all your work uh, and everything that you got going on, right? Yes, absolutely, and I actually have um, six different threads on the blog, so it's um, there's a lot of content. Yeah, there is. I was, you know, I'm, of course, as I'm talking to you, I'm on there looking at it and going around. But yeah, you do. You have a lot of good content, and so people can really interact. And are you pretty, um, are you pretty interactive there with uh, social media and Facebook, Twitter, and all the other fun ones? Yes, I am. Yeah, so I'm good. on. Um, I am on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, um, obviously Facebook, and also Pinterest. Um, so those are sort of the four that I really, really like. And I'm in LinkedIn as well. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, have to keep up with it all. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> But know. I enjoy it. Yeah. I tell you, it is, it is it, today, day, and age, I mean, you got to go to seven, you got to go all over the place. I'll tell you, it's just one, it's. Sometimes it's mind-boggling. I kind of stick with Twitter and just let it work on that. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, I sometimes think. And then, of course, they always say, well, you should go to YouTube. That's the greatest of course. Um, search engine now. And I'm thinking, I just, you know, I can't I do know. it all. <laughs> I know. Your head explodes. But So, yeah. Elizabeth, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been great to uh, speak with you and to talk about your book, Entangled Moon. So wish you nothing but the best, and we will talk with you later. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. You have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, again, everybody, that is author E.C. Fry. Her uh, name is Elizabeth, but E.C. Fry is the author's name on the book, and it is called Entangled Moon. So go out and check it out. And um, also we want to thank Kelly Clare for being on and talking about her book, Hidden. So make sure you visit her site in Kelly with an I, so K-E-L-L-I, Claire, C-L-A-R-E.com, and that book is hidden. And then, of course, um, E.C. Fry, ElizabethCampbellFry.com for more information on her stuff. And the book is Entangled Moon. Both of them are out now. You can get it. So this is it. We'll be back um, in August with Inside Edition. Uh, we'll be still running a couple story blenders. And then, of course, on the 26th, uh, on Tuesday, we're going to have our last uh, Beyond the Cover until August. And we're going to have author Alan Jacobson on there. And we're also going to play the interview that we did with Jim Butcher. Um, so that's, a, that's going to be one that you're not going to want to miss either. So until then, everybody, we want to say thanks so much for joining us. And remember, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can get everything right into your listening device, however you listen to podcasts. So until next time, thanks so much. Keep reading. See you later. Bye-bye.